Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Sean Walker of Simple Cove, and I'm joined today by Hui Huen of the Alabama Woodworker. Hey, Sean. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. And Guy Dunlap, the one and only of Guy's Woodshop. Woohoo! <laughs> How's it going, Guy? Wow, I didn't know that was a fan favorite. Mm. You are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you're ready. Uh, this podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking community and to give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. And if you'd like to support the show, we're simply asking for a small donation to cover the costs of bringing you this podcast. Head on over to patreon.com slash woodshoplife if you'd like to show your support. And I also want to say hello to our newest patrons, Dave at DB Woodcrafts and Ted St. John. We sincerely hope that you'll give us your support. Stay tuned to the end of the show to hear about what we've got going on in our own shops. But with that, let's get right into it. Hui, what's your first question? Okay, my first question is from Cole, and he asks, My question concerns Instagram maker etiquette. I'm a novice in woodworking cabinetry, and I'm always curious what other maker costs are in some of their product uh, projects. I guess my question is, is it okay to ask other makers how much they have in a project and what their net profits are on the project? I'd like to know how I'm doing when it comes to my margins. So, you know, that's a touch, a little bit of a touchy subject. And, and if you were to ask somebody, let's say you develop a relationship with somebody and, you know, you comment a lot about on, on their projects and, and you start DMing them and, and talking to them on the side. Uh, I think it's okay, but it, it's not something that I would probably come off the bat, like first message sent to somebody is like, oh, I saw what you were doing. And could you tell me how much you charge for that? Uh, because I think it, it can be a little bit of a touchy subject because you are talking about how much, uh, essentially how much profit that person is making on a piece of, of work. And sometimes people don't feel very comfortable about doing that. But I think the etiquette would be is to develop a relationship. And so here's an example. I actually am friends with Michael Hill. I think you guys are as well. And yep. he saw that uh, I was shipping out some, uh, my dining table and my six dining chairs. And he, he didn't specifically ask about the cost or how much I charge for the, those pieces, but he asked more about the shipping because he himself makes commission pieces every now and then. And he wants to know how I went about uh, shipping my pieces out. And so I told him about the white club service that I used. And essentially it came, kind of came down to, because I had to buy insurance for it, came down to talking about how much I charged for those pieces. But it was, it, it was a friendly conversation and it was one that we had already developed a relationship and talking about, uh, different topics of woodworking. And so that just kind of naturally melded into a conversation about pricing and about, uh, about how I got the pieces shipped and, and essentially how much it costs to get those pieces shipped. Uh, Guy, are you ever asked about uh, questions about uh, how you charge things or, or how you would charge something? Or, or are you ever uh, asked about uh, cost on, on, on material and things like that? All the time. And you're absolutely right, Hui. You know, it's like you post a picture of, let's, uh, of something, let's say, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then somebody you don't know from Adam mm -hmm. hits you up in the general comments. In the general comments. Yeah, that's the Yeah. How much, how much did you charge for that? And it's like, you know, dude. So <laughs> depends on how I'm feeling. Usually I, my answer to something like that is like more than enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then if, if I'm, if I'm, 
you know, not too busy and I'm not in a foul mood for whatever reason, I'll, I'll typically DM that person mm-hmm. and say, Hey, you know, I don't want to discuss pricing like that on general comments, but right. you know, I'm more than happy to discuss how I figure my costs and profit margin and stuff like that with people. Right. But I don't really want to discuss somebody I don't know, period. You know, especially in the general comments, I don't want to tell them that that's really none of their business. Right. So, Sean? Yeah, I mean, both you guys are right. And we've got to understand that I don't know if you're going to take my information, steal my designs and undercut me and sell on Etsy and then bam, you know, you're going to get that commission and I'm I'm out of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talked to a guy on Instagram. I'm not going to say his name. His stuff's been stolen. You know, his designs and and, no t- and even the name of his uh, pieces that he named them, the guy straight stole the name. Um, Hmm. So how do I know that you're, and plus he never put the person that, that took the design and name didn't, they didn't share the work on Instagram. Um, The person happened to find it off of like a Google search or something. So you never know who that person is. That's asking you what you're charging. I mean, if you do commission pieces, a piece here or there, you're not doing a full time, you know, maybe you'll open up and tell them what you, what you charge for it. But if this is your full time job, where you're not competing with just people locally, you're competing with everybody that can ship something. Right. You just got to be extremely careful about opening yourself up to someone stealing a potential client in the future because they're cheaper and giving a you know similar similar quality product because you don't know who you're talking to. So you just got to be very careful and and build up that relationship, like we said. And um, and even then, you know, they may still say no. You know, I, you can ask, but they may not tell you. Right. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. What you what what you're saying there, Sean, about you know people stealing your work and marketing it as their own and mm-hmm. you know cutting you out of the loop. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm kind of naive in that sense. I I want to I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt that they're a good person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're right. I am getting soft in my old age. Um, <laughs> We mentioned that earlier. <laughs> yeah, it was an earlier part of the conversation. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess I'm not that jaded. And if somebody, you know, even if I gave somebody a price and then mm-hmm. they stole the name and they outbid, you know, I go, okay, you know, if you, 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 you you're going to have your own special place in hell, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. More power to you. And I, I really don't care. It's yeah. not that big of a deal. But right. if I was doing this for a living where I, you know, my kid's not going to eat because somebody stole something from me, I think I'd be pretty pissed. Yeah. And I think that's that's where him as a novice, y- you have to understand where it is that the people that you're talking to are asking about uh, uh, this about. Uh, you have to understand where they're coming from. This is a lot of their livelihood. It's not a lot. It is their livelihood, some of these folks. So developing that relationship and having them know that, Hey, I'm a hobbyist. I'm kind of getting into this. I might sell a couple commissions here and there. I think that comes off a lot more non-threatening and can be a lot easier to sort of ease into that conversation versus going to a, someone who does this for a living and just straight up asking through even through DM, never mind general comments, but just coming straight out and asking that through a DM can be kind of a little bit intimidating, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think, Sean, you've got the next. No, Guy. Guy, you've got the next question. I'm sorry. I do. Mm -hmm. All right. This question is from SB. I don't know what SB stands for, and I don't know SB's name. 
<laughs> but SB says, hey, all love the show and Guy is looking handsome as ever. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, SB. I, SB, I hope you're female. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I love it. Um, I've been watching a lot of old New Yankee workshop and noticed that Norm reinforces like everything with Brad Nails. I'm especially talking about show faces on projects like the Shaker wall clock he built. He shot 10 brads in the face grain on the sides of the clock where everyone will see. I'm sure he is hiding them in the finishing process with the filler, but I'm wondering if a brad is really necessary on non-load bearing joints projects. We have all seen the tight bond ad showing that the glue joint is actually stronger than the wood itself. Do I really need to brad pin nail in a divider piece on a wall clock or trim molding that is glued that is glued otherwise sb well that that is a really good question and i remember those old shows and i did a lot of that same stuff norm did mm -hmm. um you know i probably break out my brad nailer now like maybe once or twice a year and it's mostly when i'm making jigs yeah, yeah. um i think he shot a lot of Brad nails just to hold stuff in place, especially he did a lot of stuff with molding and applied moldings, I should say. And he was just gluing them in place and shooting them with Brad nails to hold them in place and then filling it in with, you know, filler later. Right. Um, I have done some of that stuff and I continue to do some of that stuff with applied moldings, but I typically use a pin nailer now. Yeah. Uh, these are 23 gauge and you really don't see the hole unless you really look for it. Um, mm -hmm. Every now and then I will fill them in, but I'll fill them in afterwards after I've got the finish on with like those uh, filler crayons. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're like wax and you just fill them in that way and you can get the color pretty close where you don't see them. Mm -hmm. I really like those things. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a good thing either. If you take some of those moldings and they're applied moldings and they're in cross grain situations, mm -hmm. sometimes you'll lose that bond just because the wood is expanding and contracting differently than the applied molding you put on it. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful about that. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I can really add to that. Mm -hmm. Do you guys yeah. do a lot of that stuff? Nope. Yeah, I've used, well, I've used brads and, and pins. Mainly Lovely. I use pins now. I'm sorry, Sean. No, you know what? I'll let you go, Sean. My bad. <laughs> let me, let me just interrupt you. <laughs> go ahead, Sean. My bad, man. I just, you were eager to talk about pin nails. I wasn't going to stop yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I use a pin nailer. If I use it for trim work, I use the pin nailer. But I wonder if, um, if Norm, just was doing it because he was didn't have a lot of time and, and filming stuff. You know, he mm. just had to get it up there, hold it in place. The Brad nails, you've used glue as well because you know, timing or time is everything. Time is money on these, uh, on the set. So I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's part of the reason why he used so many Brad nails you know, on everything. I don't know. Norm, but. Norm was an excellent craftsman and I will never, ever, ever disparage Norm, but Norm Abrams is not, uh, Garrett hack. It's it. Yeah. It's a different. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a completely different animal. Mm -hmm. Norm is very good at what he did, but mm -hmm. you know, fine furniture, maybe not so much. Mm -hmm. Very nicely well-made furniture, but mm -hmm. absolutely like 
find furniture, find furniture type stuff. Yeah. Um, not so much. Well, I mean, I can tell you that I've never, maybe one episode of the New Yankee Workshop and is that most that I've ever seen. So I, I don't know if he uses a lot of Brad nails or not. I've, I've only watched oh, like yeah. one episode. <laughs> no, he but I, a lot. I, that's my guess is that maybe he was doing it due to time, but I don't know. I've never watched a, more than one episode of that. Hui, what do you got for us? <laughs> well, with Norm, it was situations where, just like you said, Guy, it was applied molding. And in a fine furniture application, generally speaking, you'd, you'd have some type of data or maybe even a dovetail that slid, slid that molding in, which allowed that piece to expand and contract. But that makes sense in, that, in, in the situation where you have like this really big side carcass that's made of solid wood. In some of the situations, I don't now. I don't know what it is that SB is using, but uh, it might be that uh, that the back of a clock or whatever is is some type of hardwood, plywood, or plywood of some sort. In which case, I think it's fine if you're using a pin nailer. Um, I mean, I guess you could use a brad nailer, but I think the hole would be significantly larger, and also some some of them have like a partial head, and so it might even be a little bit more difficult to fill in. But I use a pin nailer on my shop furniture when I'm cladding the edge rather than using uh, like that's a birch. Shop, that's shop furniture. Yeah, for shop furniture, right? But but for, gosh, I hadn't used applied molding, I don't think, in any of my furniture pieces. So I can't even say that I would have even used a, a dado or a dovetail because I hadn't done that type of work yet. But I think in a fine furniture piece, I would probably use like a dado or a sliding dovetail type deal for that type of uh, molding. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think for shop furniture, it's perfectly fine in, in the application that SB, depending on what it is that he or she is doing for this, this clock, it might be perfectly fine. And, and I think it's, if, if you're just using like a little crayon or a little filler, then we're probably not even yeah, going to see it. It really depends on if it's a cross crane mm -hmm. situation or not. And, you know, I've, I've, I recently made, well, recently, maybe two years ago, That's I made recent. a bookcase. That's pretty recent. I made a bookcase that was um, uh, out of plywood, and I put, I made a you know a base for it. I mm -hmm. put an applied molding around the base of it, but it was going uh, up against plywood, mm -hmm. so the the plywood sides were not expanding and contracting because it's plywood. Mm -hmm. So I put the applied molding on there, and I just brad nailed it in and put a filler in on top of it, and it looked fine. Yeah. I mean, you're going to do the same thing when uh, when you're doing molding crown or or shoe molding yeah. or anything like that. It's the same sort of yep. same application. And in Norm's defense, that's a lot of where he was coming from, because he was very yep. much a finished carpenter. Am I correct on that? Yep. Yeah. So 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 it makes sense, you know, that he would do that. Yeah, it's just a different way of doing things. Yep. It's yep. not necessarily wrong in some circles and it's not necessarily right in some circles. It really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. I really don't see any problem with it depending on the situation. I hope that answers your question, SB. And yes, I am looking handsome as ever. If you could see me now. <laughs> so who's got the next question? It would be. I do. Yep. Sean. Okay. Sean does. Hey guys, I just got into listening to the podcast and have really enjoyed it. I was also wondering how do you all go about selling the projects that you make and where to advertise the pieces so that they get sold. Also, what are some good ways to get your name out to the community to let them know about your skills that you have? Thanks, Logan. So this is kind of similar to, um, sort of similar to what we was touching on earlier. 
um, about getting your name out there and, and I guess pricing your work and all of that. This is a packed question, uh, but to start, I think I would try to post on all of the free places that have eyes on them, such as Craigslist and uh, Facebook Marketplace. And I'm sure there are some other third-party apps that you can sell stuff on, but I'm just not, I don't use any of those. So those are the only two that I'm aware of. Uh, but the key is to get your name out there and to get people looking at your stuff. Next, I would uh, build a website to showcase all of your work or subtle plug here. You can create a free profile on simplecove.com and share your work. Um, it's a great place to send your potential clients to to see your work. But either way, uh, if you do create a site, keep it minimal, easy to navigate, um, have your contact information on there. And most importantly, put quality photos of your work on the site or your profile. People want to see what you're selling and they want to be able to contact you if they like what they see. Uh, so next, you can sign up on places like Etsy and you can showcase your work there. And one of the cool things about Etsy is that you can pay to promote your work on there. Uh, and that's going to place your items higher in the search results, but you've got more competition on there. So you got to, you got to proceed and, and, and look at Etsy and see if it's actually worth the effort. Um, some of the people that I talk to on Instagram sell on Etsy and they do, you know, they get quite a few pieces of, uh, or f- quite a few commission pieces out of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Etsy's another, another place that you can check out. And finally, it always helps to build up a social following. And there are several woodworkers, like I just mentioned, that get a good deal of their work from Instagram. They share quality photos of their final product and don't forget to tag it as that really helps in finding it in the search. But at the end, it's about quality photos, putting it in front of everybody, uh, take advantage of all the free places like Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. And no matter what, uh, it's just going to take a lot of work and you're going to have to keep at it uh, and do everything that you can to take advantage of the free avenues to promote your work and just, uh, and just, you know, stay at it. It's a lot of work. What about you guys? Is there anything that you would touch on that I didn't cover about how to get your name out there and and how do they go about selling their projects? I'm curious to hear what guy you've done in the past because I know you've actually run a small furniture business in the past. How did you get your well, name out when there? I, when I looked at small worked in small furniture business in the past, that was way before the internet is what it is now. Right. So that was mainly going to some local interior designers, things mm-hmm. like that, and showing them, you know, a portfolio of my work, talking to everybody I came in contact with, mm-hmm. you know, what I did for a living. I was a lot more outgoing then than I am now. Today, I mean, everything Sean that mentioned was a really good advice, you know, and I've also heard very good things. I know a couple guys that advertise on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram, and I guess it's very inexpensive and you can really target people Yes, based on their location and their age demographics, things their, like that. And their interests and, I, and all that stuff. Yeah. I guess it's very, very targeted and it's really cheap. That's something I have not done, but I understand it's very good. The only other thing I can think of that I've actually done a little bit of is I've actually talked to some antique dealers and antique shops here locally that uh, that sell fine furniture and premium pieces. And I basically mentioned them, hey, if you ever if you ever come by a client that's looking for a new piece or a custom piece, let me know about it. And I'd, I'd happy to give them a quote on something. But I haven't really pushed very hard for that. It's more so in passing. And again, I'm coming from a place where I'm not doing this full time. I'm just I'm kind of enjoying my time in the shop and, and pieces come or commissions come here and there. If I don't get one, I'm not batting yeah, myself over the head. World. Right, exactly. So 
again, all the things that Sean had mentioned, I, I, I think maybe the only other thing that I would mention is be very direct with the way you tag things, making sure that you, you know, you're, you've got a social media presence where you're uh, integrating with in other interior designers so uh, so that they can see your work and as well as uh, making sure that uh, uh, tags that I use are like my local tags like Madison, Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama, interior design, those sorts of things. I'm talking about the hashtags just so that they mm -hmm. kind of show up every now and then uh, when people are searching for those specific areas or in those specific areas from the explore page, if that makes any sense. That's about yeah. all I can give because honestly, I don't, you know, I don't push hard for, for getting work. So. Absolutely. And just the final thing, if you're just starting out and you don't have a lot of money to advertise, just stay on top of the free, uh, the free sources like the Facebook marketplaces, the Craigslist. And, um, you know, even if you're posting on Facebook marketplace, try posting in surrounding areas that you would be willing to, you know, to travel to, to deliver and stuff. But, you know, it's important to uh, to pretty much advertise on the free places first. And Etsy, you can post your stuff there for free, I believe. Obviously, they're going to take a cut if you if someone buys from their website. But it's it's all about getting your name out there and building up this brand and then just mm -hmm. stay at it and um, yeah. hope that helps. Yeah. yeah, the thing with the thing with Craigslist, it, the nice thing about Craigslist is it is totally free. The, the bad thing about it is that it is totally, totally free. free. Yeah. So you're going to find a lot of people that don't want to spend $10,000 on a dining room table. You're going to get the people that want to spend $600 on a dining room table. Yeah. yeah. So yep. keep that in mind. It really depends on what you're trying to sell to. It's yep. a good tip. Yep. Uh, one other thing I may add, uh, because I've talked to some people that do this, I think uh, Lost Creek Woodworks, Zach, who makes a lot of Maloof style chairs and rockers. He actually does craft shows and he makes a lot. He, he has a huge inventory of cutting boards and trinkets and, and signs and charcuterie boards. And what he'll do is he'll actually bring some uh, of his what, a Wahuda board or shark, whatever, <laughs> you know, cheese board, cheese board. <laughs> and he'll, he'll is actually bring, some is that a board with a hole drilled in it? Exactly. Uh, guy <laughs> well it's not just a board you got a little flair to it you got a design to it yeah. come on guy so he'll it's actually bring some of his uh sculpted rockers and sculpted chairs and whatnot and usually they're not for sale or maybe they are for sale i don't know but th but he doesn't have a mass inventory of those he, the inventory that he brings to the craft show is are, are the car cutting boards cheese boards all the other stuff right and those are more for display and so then from that he gets referrals or or gets a uh, uh, gets requests for specific furniture pieces. But the, the issue with that is one, you have to pay to, to enter into the craft show. And two, you also have to have an amass of uh, inventory in order to be able to display there. So uh, it might be something to look into as well. So good point. And with that, we were right back to you. All right. So this question is from Alex and Alex asks the woodworkers guild of America, WWGOA, has made a pretty big push lately regarding the Harvey Ambassador Cabinet Table Saw. Would you share your thoughts on the C200 and C300 models? I have been saw shopping for some time, reviewing all available cabinet style brands, and recently put this saw into the mix of choices. Now, my guess, Alex, is that you probably don't have a lot of information on or reviews on the C200 or C300, because I actually looked at the saw and could not find a lot of reviews. And my guess is that WWGOA was probably 
helping to promote this as um, and was probably receiving some revenue to help promote this brand or this line of table saws. Now, I just did a little bit of research. I literally just pulled up the the website of the the Harvey C300 and the C200. And I actually looked at it and I was like, hey, that looks a lot like a Grizzly G0691 and G0690, which I actually owned. And when you pull up the Grizzly G0691 or G0690 and you look at it side by side, they look almost exactly the same. When you look at the specs, they look almost exactly the same. In fact, actually, they have the same amp output motor and almost the exact same dimensions on weight and and size of the table saw. So we had talked about this earlier, about how a lot of brands will actually rebrand the same table saw or the same joiner or planer or whatever, and just put on a different brand name and sell it. Now, what you'll notice is that the price is a little bit different, but you'll also look at the shipping and the shipping for the Harvey is almost double the shipping for the Grizzly, but the Grizzly is more expensive at a base price. So when you add up the shipping, they're almost exactly the same in price. Huh. I, I, I wonder how that happened. <laughs> yeah. So I think, and I'm going to go on a limb here. I think they're the exact same machine. They look exactly the same. And so it, it becomes, you know, you, you get into this thing. It's like, oh, it's a cheaper machine. Oh, why, why is it? Well, you got to look at the specs, right? You've got to look at the three horsepower motor. It's got the same uh, capacity for rip bends. It's got the same style of trunnions, those cast iron trunnions. In fact, actually, they even show a picture of the trunnions on the Harvey. And then you can see a picture of the trunnions on the Grizzly. And if you <laughs> look at the pictures side by side, they look exactly the same. Alex, I think what you're looking at is a rebranded Grizzly saw. So... If you have Grizzly in the mix, you're probably comparing the same saw, but you just maybe not don't realize it. You know, Guy, you've talked a lot about this, and I can't see a difference in because you mentioned how a saw from Powermatic or a Jet or a saw from Grizzly will maybe come off the same assembly line, but one might have a better fit and finish than the other, and that's what you're paying for in a price difference. That and marketing, you know, the, the the thing with Harvey, and you know, if you're if you're asking yourself why WWGOA is that right? Yes, is pushing them so hard. Is we said it in a very nice way, but let me say it in a much more uh, direct way. Uh -oh. They got money thrown at them, <laughs> and they throw enough money at anybody and they say what a great product it is, mm -hmm. even though they have no experience with it or no history with it. It's like getting a review from a person that has had the machine for two days and somebody gave it to them. Right. It doesn't really mean much. Now, I've gotten machines given to me. I will admit that, but mm -hmm. I don't get reviews on them normally till I've, after I've had them for a period of time and I've actually worked with them. Mm -hmm. And I don't really call them reviews. I call them overviews. Yeah. Where I don't say anything good or bad about it. I just say, this is what it is and this is what it does. Right. Anyways, the difference between, I wouldn't say that the Grizzly or the Harvey is a rebranded Grizzly. As far as we know, the Grizzly is a rebranded Harvey. 
but they're sure. probably both basically the exact same saw. There's just a different name on it, a different color scheme, mm-hmm. and they have a different marketing program. Correct. Yeah. So I don't know much about Harvey. I looked at their website. It's pretty plain Jane stuff that I've seen everywhere else a hundred times. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anything special about it. And WWGA, and I'm not knocking them, but they're promoting it because they're getting paid to promote it. Right. That's it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing I have to add to this, I don't know anything about them. I didn't look into them. Um, I did look at their Instagram while we was talking, but I was still listening to them. They make them in their Nanjing, China uh, factory. Mm-hmm. Or Nanjing, wherever that is. I'm guessing it's China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's all I have to add to that. Yeah, yeah. All I know is that it's not in Indiana <laughs> or Kentucky. Yeah, or and, Kentucky and, or Alabama. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's probably a perfectly fine cabinet saw. I, yeah. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. But I think the more important thing, Alex, is figure out what your price point is. Okay. What what are you willing to pay for certain features based on what you see in the market? And then go from there. You know, if you're if you're able to dish out a little bit more and you want a little bit finer fit and finish and you want a little bit something that looks a little bit better, you know, maybe you go jet or paramatic, but if you're kind of cutting on the budget or saw a little bit, stop or so, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're only a saw stop if you don't want to die. Don't die by a saw stop. Um but if you want to get a little bit more on the budget line, I mean, look at your Harvey or your Grizzly. And I would highly recommend possibly finding somebody who has actually owned the saw connecting with them on social media and just say, Hey, what's, what's your initial impressions on this? And would you buy it again? What were some of the issues? I'm sure the Harvey woodworking is fine. Grizzly saws are fine. I didn't mean it. I wasn't trying to disparage anybody or anything. I'm sure the Harvey, Harvey machines are just wonderful. The Grizzly stuff is fine. Yes. If it does what you need it to do and it hits that's the price, like you're talking about. We rock and roll with it, man. Absolutely, yeah, do it. You know. Yeah. There's one thing to note also is what is their customer service like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about whether or not they're good machines. Sooner or later, somebody's going to run into a bad machine, and then it all depends on what their customer service is like. So, mm-hmm. again, it's best to talk to people that you know own these machines. And see if they've had a run-in with their customer service on top of what what their machines are like. Yep, yep. I, I can say through experience with Grizzly that being able to buy or get replacement parts is relatively easy with them. So Yeah, you call them up and you say, this is bad. And they go, okay, I'll send you another one. Yeah. It's There's well, no man. argument. There's nothing. They just send it to you. Yeah. With who? Grizzly. Oh, with Grizzly. Okay, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, their customer service is the best I've ever dealt with. For on anything, regardless of whether it's a tool or not, mm-hmm. you just call them up. You have a problem. It's under warranty. They go, okay. Yeah. They don't, they don't argue with you. They don't send you to do to tech support. They say, okay. Mm-hmm. And if you want a list of people that are, that have their tools, just go to the Harvey Woodworking's Facebook page. And they're just, they've, apparently they've given out a bunch of machines to people. So mm-hmm. they've, they're at mentioning them. That should give you a list of people to contact and ask. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right, Sean, you've got the next question, man. I do, huh? Mm -hmm. All right. So this one is from Ryan. And Ryan's question is, how do you decide what the next purchase in your shop would be and with a given budget? 
And uh, this is actually a two-part question. So I'm going to answer the first part about how I decide what the next purchase is in my shop. It's just basically I deter- I decide what to buy depending on you know where I'm at in the evolution of my shop. Meaning if I'm just starting out, don't have tools, you know I'm going to look at budget and figure out what I want to buy. But now that I've got an established shop, I'm looking to upgrade tools. Not in in my shop. Like the next thing that I want to get after this bandsaw when it comes in in April is get a new drum sander. I want something that's larger, uh, better quality. So I'm looking at tools in my shop that give me issue. The problem child children in my shop, such as the drum sander. I got rid of the bandsaw that's coming. Um, outside of that, uh, I, I just look at what I don't have. And if I don't have something that's first, but if I have everything that I need, I look at what's being a pain in the butt in my shop or what would be nice to have an upgrade for and that's how I pretty much determine the next purchase in my shop. And like I was saying, after April, I'll get the bandsaw. And after that, it's going to be a new drum sander. I would like to have a new CNC machine, but I don't know if I have the room for that. But mm. that's that's pretty much how I decide what the next purchase in my shop will be. Uh, if I'm starting out and don't have any tools, I'm going to go, what's the best bang for the buck so I can get possibly more than one tool in my shop and something that you know I'm going to buy a decent enough brand that I'm going to be able to resell it. Uh, and recover some of the money, or you know, if you're loaded, just get the last tool you'll ever buy first. <laughs> and w- we all know that's not what I do. But uh, before I go on to the second part of this question, um, Hui, what is your? Uh, h- how do you decide what your next purchase is going to be in your shop? I mean, generally speaking, it's it's based on need, and then unfortunately, and I'm completely guilty of this. I have this disease called upgradeitis. Everything, you know, once I have everything, I need to upgrade everything that I currently have. So I'm, I'm trying to back off, to be honest, on upgrade of everything uh, issue and kind of just being happy with what it is that I have in the shop and, and kind of uh, using it to its limits. Uh, because it does kind of become a little overwhelming, rearranging the shop and getting, uh, yeah, it, it's right now, the only thing that I've been focused on is, is getting the CNC into my shop. And, um, and that was based on you know, me just having a desire to get I- into automation. So that's about all I have been focused on lately. How about you guy? Oh, the, the question, although we can really get deep into it is actually a pretty simple question. Mm-hmm. How do you decide what the next purchase in the shop will be with a given budget? Mm-hmm. And if you look at that at its at its face, again, it's a very simple question to answer. What is the next project you are building that you do not have the tool to com- that you think you need to complete that project? Yeah. If it if it's a machine that you currently don't own and it's really, I'm not going to say, you know, you don't need a machine or expensive tools to make anything. But there are certainly tools and machines that make life a hell of a lot easier. Uh, you know, for example, the difference between using a, a joiner plane you bought off of eBay versus a brand new eight inch helical head joiner with a long bed, two completely different animals. I would rather have the long bed eight inch joiner with the helical head myself. So I think you get my point. Yeah, of course. Yeah. If you've got a big project coming up, what is the machine that you think that, what is the machine you don't have that you think you'll need to make the project more enjoyable to you? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And that's, that's really all I can say. I mean, you, you, he lists a budget of what he can spend here, you know, 
just because you have the money doesn't mean you have to spend it. I'd right. wait till you have a project that you really need that for. One thing he's got listed there is, is dust collection. Dust collection, I think you need on every project. So, Yeah, and, that, and that's part the second part of the question that yeah. he has more information on at the top um, that I was going to wrap turn back around and I guess discuss. Yeah. But yeah, the second part of his question, he, he goes on to, I guess, get advice on uh, what he should purchase next. And because he has 1500 to $2,000 that he can spend. So he's debating between many different things, but what he has already is a saw stop PCS three. And he apologizes to guy. Cause we know guys a fan <laughs> uh, Grizzly 17 inch bandsaw, 20 inch planer. And he has a festival sander and, and router and a 75 track saw. And he goes on to say he has a drum sander, uh, a shaper, and he has a one horsepower dust collector and a six inch joiner. Okay, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's, that's fine. He's got quite um, a bit. He's got quite the shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah he right. does uh, absolutely. So you know, out of the list of things that he says that he has on his short list is an eight inch joiner, but he's not sure he has room. A capex, a domino, new dust collection. Shop storage and some woodpecker measuring tools. I don't think that I would put that on my short list and a router table setup, but he has a shaper. So I don't know if I would recommend if he doesn't have room for an eight inch joiner. I don't know if I would recommend a, a, uh, a router table setup. considering he has a shaper. I'd probably look at figuring that situation out, but that's a different question. I mean, if it were me, I'd probably look at a domino or the new dust collection and, uh, in that setup. And I probably would lean toward a new dust collection setup with, a you know, 20 inch planer and, and all that stuff. That would be what I would choose if that were me out of that list. Um, I didn't, I didn't see the whole question up there. I know you guys can't see at home when I'm, what we're looking at, but we have a list of the questions and Sean highlighted part of the question. And that's what I have up on. I didn't I highlighted. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Didn't I? On our, on our sheet. So I didn't see the whole list of tools you had there. Oops. Yeah. You got a, you got a bunch of really nice stuff there, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even talk about the nice hand tools he has. Yeah. Oh um, he's got all kinds of stuff. If I had all that stuff and I had 1500 bucks burning a hole in my pocket, domino. Yeah. I was going to say over a lot of problems. Uh, I would, but then he has a, a one horsepower jet dust collector. We don't know what what model dust collector? We don't know if it's got the uh, the bag at the top or if it's got the filter. That's the only reason I decided to go dust collection instead of a domino. Oh, but dust dust collector is not as much fun as a domino. Yeah, I mean you you he can, could get both. He could. Well, yeah, he could. That's but but <laughs> he could. But the <laughs> the point is that he has a working dust collector. That's I think that's that's where yeah. where I'm coming from is that he has something that wor- is working, and so even though. It could definitely be upgraded. And that's where I was kind of mentioning upgrade-itis where like, I'm just constantly thinking of like, oh, how can I upgrade? How can I upgrade? When really, I think the better strategy, and you mentioned this guy, is really kind of thinking about the next project and how can my life be made either easier or make the project more enjoyable by having this object or, or tool or whatever, you know? I think the domino would definitely bring a lot of enjoyment, do things a little bit more efficiently, get projects done a little bit quicker so that you can, you know, focus on more of the fine detail things. You know, I think domino solves solves a lot of problems when you're dealing with the complex design. Yep. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, if you get depends on the domino, you could still have about a thousand or eleven hundred left over, depending on the model you get. And if the price doesn't go up, which they do, they're getting ready for another one here. Yeah. 
So you better get it now or that 1500 to 2000 may not buy you a Domino if you wait too long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Domino's hard to beat if you don't have one. But again, these are very, very difficult to answer. We don't know what kind of work you do. We don't know if you're full-time. We don't know if you're part-time. We don't know. So it's very difficult. I, you could be saying, no, Sean, you're an idiot. Uh, the Domino <laughs> makes more sense. <laughs> so apologize if my answer doesn't make sense. I would also considering upgrading the uh, saw stop. <laughs> <laughs> to a Harvey, maybe? Um, yeah, upgraded to a Harvey. Well, that is my question. Um, is that all of them? Did we answer Guy? Are you no, Guy has it? one more. Our most beautiful host has the yeah. last question, I believe. And actually, I think we sw- we skipped Guy because yeah. it goes we, then Guy, then me. Oh, well, whatever. That's Sorry. That's part <laughs> of my, I didn't say anything because that's part of my new, more mellow outlook. On yeah, you don't care. Let me find the question. Take a drink. He didn't find his question. Mm-hmm. This is really exciting podcast stuff. <laughs> yeah, guy, you got to drink a cup of coffee, bud. I am drinking coffee. Oh, well, it's not fast it. enough. Okay, here it is. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. This is from Troy. This is another machine question. Troy says, first, thanks for the great podcast y'all have put together. I really enjoy listening. Well, thank you, Troy. We, I really do appreciate that. We really appreciate that. Yes. I'm looking for a new bandsaw for the shop. I had an 18-inch jet bandsaw that I really liked but it was just too big for my shop. And I'm going to stop at this point. I'm going to continue to read the question, but most bandsaws have pretty close to the same footprint. Yeah. So the difference between an 18 inch jet and some of the other ones we're going to talk about here in a second, how much floor space they take up is very little. Probably there has to be some kind of height issue. Yeah. That we're not aware of. So Let me continue. I'm looking for a 14-inch bandsaw to replace the old one. I've looked at the JWBS14 SFX, the Laguna 1412, and the Laguna 14BX 2.5 horse models. Uh, There is not a huge price difference in them, but I've also noticed that, hey, Harvey Woodworking. Oh, look at that. (laughs) But I have not seen or heard of them before and we just talked about this so um i believe the jet has ball bearing guys and the laguna has ceramic do any of you have any opinion on these saws my local woodcraft has both the laguna machines and the jet in the stores but i am torn between them any help would be much appreciated keep up the good work guys troy so again i'm a little bit confused about the size thing he doesn't have enough room in the shop for the 18 inch, but he has, and again, I'm assuming it's maybe because of height, but I don't think the 18 inch bandsaws are that much taller. Anyway. So anyways, let's stop talking about that. Looking at all three of these models, I looked at the Laguna and we have a Laguna in the shop, a Laguna um, 14 SUV. It's got like a three horsepower motor on it. I hate the ceramic guides on that thing. Also, I'm 6'1", almost 6'2". The table on the Laguna is too low for me. When I was looking for a bandsaw, when I bought my Grizzly 17-inch, I looked at the Lagunas, and the table height was just, it wasn't high enough. It was down almost to my groin. I mean, it was just too low. That's something to consider. The Jet is a little bit higher. I looked at the Jet, and the Jet for the price between all those looks to be a much better saw cast iron wheels it's got a really nice fence yeah ball bearing 
Actually, it's a pretty good price. It's right about a thousand dollar price point, right? It's not bad. I don't know much. About, we've like, said this before. We don't know much about the Harvey. A lot. It could be the exact same thing as the Jet. I don't know. What What do you guys think about all this? Sean's had a lot of input because because Sean has been looking for a bandsaw lately. I have, but I'm going larger than a 14 inch. Yeah. So, um, but w- while investigating, Jet was up there. And it was really close to me looking at that, but I ended up going with uh, Hammer. Also, another one to look at is a the Rikon 14-inch. I know that there's a couple people that I chat with that have that and really like that bandsaw. Uh, that's about all that I have uh, experience with other than a Porter Cable 14-inch, which I don't think that I would recommend if uh, if you're looking to... If you're coming from an 18-inch, I don't think you'd want to go to that. Um, I'd look with something with the 12-inch resaw if you could and something preferably that does not have a riser block that's you know that's yeah. that's capable of cutting that um but yeah look around at uh the rikon <clears throat> the jet that would be my recommendation or even uh other brands similar to that maybe the powermatic i've i know people that have lagunas and like them but i've heard real horror stories about their customer service same here yeah i have as well same here so you know that's something to, to consider too that's a very good point. I forgot all about their, I've read and saw videos of people complaining about their customer service. So that turned me away from their bandsaws. I don't know if I can really add much more to what was already said, but I, I will say that I upgraded from the 14 inch Grizz uh, jet to a 17 inch. I have the same bandsaw you used to have. Yeah. A great bandsaw. I, I really would put that into the mix. I think it's a Zero five. The eighteen inch jet is too big. Oh, that's right. That's right. Grizzly is too big. He's looking for a fourteen inch. Yeah. So um, look at the fourteen inches that he mentioned. Mm-hmm. I, I I I'd gravitate towards the jet, mainly because of the 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 roller bearings, and the uh, table height isn't you know at my knees. Yeah. I would probably go with the jet between all those that he mentioned too. Yeah, for sure. And jets always having a 10% off deal. So just wait for some, just any holiday and they'll be throwing a 10% off. Yep. Yep. So keep that in mind and you'll pick one up. Yeah. Man, we all agree and we could actually recommend something, not just a vague, well, you know. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) I agree with the jet. I've looked at it when I was uh, researching before settling on what I'm getting and they are, you know, the good bandsaws. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a nice, looks like a nice bandsaw. They have a 15 inch model also. Mm. That's very similar to my 15 inch Powermatic. There's a few differences, but it looks like it's the same frame and motor. Yeah. Actually, that was the one that I was looking at too. Yeah. But again, it's not much smaller than the 18 inch jet. Footprint wise. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, they're all about footprint wise. I'd be curious to see why. Email us and let us know if it's the height yeah. restriction because I'm curious. Yeah, let yeah. us know, Troy. And did did Harvey infiltrate our podcast and get some free PR out of this? Is that what we're hearing? <laughs> Let's stop talking about them. We're gonna have to send them a, a blind we're gonna have to send them an invoice. I'll go, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I may pay it. Yeah. If they're throwing money around, maybe we need to t- we need to contact them. Mm. <laughs> next episode to be this episode's no, not go there <laughs> yeah let's not go there <laughs> all right well that's all the questions and now we're going to take a few moments to talk about what we have going on in our shop and let's see who would who would want to kick this off uh we 
what do you got going on in your shop right Man, now? Man, I did a huge purge of stuff in my shop. I got rid of a whole bunch of scrap material and old lumber that I knew I wasn't going to use. Donated some stuff, got rid of some stuff, burned some scraps. Uh, and I also, because uh, after talking to you guys about a recommendation about uh, building a table for a CNC machine, I actually uh, welded together a steel framed base for my CNC machine that will be coming in the beginning of March. And Good. I got that recommendation from you guys because y you mentioned that it's not so much, you know, making sure that it's flat and, and square and all that stuff, even though that's really important, but more so having the weight to make sure that that machine doesn't rock or flex or anything like that. So I went with a steel frame base. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. I went ahead and. Got all the material for that. Uh, I have a buddy who's pretty good at welding, and he uh, showed me how to do it. Dave, Dave yeah, Dave Moncada uh, yeah. at Rocket City Woodshop. Yeah, I saw I saw the pictures on Instagram. It looked pretty good. Looked pretty nice. It was interesting how it was built. Yeah, not not so, not conventional speed. by any means, but it worked. Um, and got everything square, uh, and flat, and it's it's a nice heavy base. Uh, all I have to do is just clean up some of the joints, although most of them are already cleaned up anyway. And then uh, put some uh, rattle cans paint on it, black, and uh, put the cat leveling casters on there, and we're good to go. So, so when's the saw coming? In about a month? Uh, yeah, the CNC is uh, coming the beginning of March, end of February, somewhere around that time frame. So awesome. Yeah. And four by four? Four by four, yeah. Yep. Oh, that's mm -hmm. awesome, man. Yeah. But man, I'll tell you what, I'm just so happy to get all the old material out of my shop it's just it was so such a relief to get rid of De that stuff decrapify yeah decrapify yep how about you guy what do you got going on you got some exciting stuff in my shop my personal shop uh not much i i built a box i started building a box i guess that's some really outrageously figured white oak i'm making a small box for that sean wants i'm gonna yes say, i think i'm gonna give it to him maybe what Oh. You asked if you could have it. Now, what did I say? I don't. What did you say? Yes. yes what did you say? Oh, you said maybe. No, I said yes. Oh, but I put, a little, I put a little smiley face after. See, I, <laughs> See, I can't take you serious. Exactly. You never know. That's beautiful box, though, man. Yeah, it's some beautiful wood. Actually, I'm making a. That's going to be a uh, hold router bits at work. Because <laughs> I knew you were going to give it to me. I got the wood from. So. Um, I'm doing that. I got my, my kitchen doors resprayed, the ones that I screwed up. Mm -hmm. Those are out in the shop right now. I haven't brought them in yet. And at work, they gave me the go-ahead to make a, a table for our display room. And they kind of gave me carte blanche and said, you can build whatever you want. And today, that was last week, and today they gave me said i said well what if i do this with the base it could take me a long time to go, okay <laughs> nice right. that's awesome so now i've got like carte blanche not only in the materials and the design but also the the hours it takes to do it they want something really really jaw-dropping so in my usual fashion i will make it overly complicated overbuilt and stupidly complicated to make I still haven't decided what I'm going to do yet. But I started at the top. I found some really nice figured white oak. 
And that's actually in the vac bag at the shop right now. I did that today. It'll come out tomorrow. The tabletop's going to have, it's four by eight. It's going to have round ends on it. It should look nice. I'm kind of excited about it. Mm. It's yeah, nice I saw to that. play around with somebody else's stuff and not have to worry too much about all the trappings that go along with it. Is that your vac bag and vacuum at the shop, at their yes. shop? Okay. Yes, that's my stuff. They, they're, we're, we're, they're trying to determine if they want to do it or not. Mm. So they want to see what I can do first. So, I can tell all day long how how great it is, and it looks like real wood. They still think plywood. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. But so let let me ask you, uh, with with this veneer glue up that you did, did you need a clamping uh, a call on top or in the bottom? I always put a call on the bottom. Okay, but you didn't on the top. I did on the top. Okay. So you did top end. So bottom. on the bottom, on the bottom, well, there's a there's an MDF, not an MDF, a uh, melamine platen, mm-hmm. and then I've got three sixteenths inch hardboard, mm-hmm. and then the veneer sandwich itself, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, I've got a piece of three quarter inch MDF. So yeah, so you have a call on the bottom and the top. Yes. Okay. And I used uh, urea resin glue. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sean? What do you got going on in your shop there, brother? To be honest with you. I'm finding it very difficult to get motivated this year. <laughs> I've uh, I've taken off. It seems like a month and a half. Finished that shaker cabinet. I'm working on some plaques right now. Um, finishing those up. Yeah, I saw that. They look good. Thank you. Yeah, they do. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm just finding it very difficult to get motivated again. And I think it's just because it's the filming of the projects. It's just a lot of work. So who knows? I may end up not filming some projects this year, slowing down on the video. I, I don't know. Uh, I just got to get back out there and get motivated and I just, just winter and cold, even though it's heated, it's just, it's the, uh, I just got to get, get motivated again, get out in the shop and start building. Yeah. You find the right project. It'll, it'll get you going again. It'll fire you up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure. But I don't have much going on other than cleaning up, finishing the plaques and, uh, that's about it. Your shop is a mess. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. I got crap everywhere. You go out there in the shop and it's just an unholy mess and you're just saying, uh, well, shop is like clean, like mine. You go, Ooh, I'm like, I'm going to go dirty this thing up. (laughs) Here's the problem. I made a video for, um, bits and bits channel, uh, Mm. their YouTube channel. And, uh, I make videos for them if y'all didn't know, but, um, I made an aluminum bit holder, which looks freaking awesome, but I didn't, I removed the dust collection to film it. Oh gosh. Yeah. And it was a, it was a three quarter inch thick piece of aluminum. I'm pocketing the whole thing. It's an eight by eight, eight by eight square. I'm cutting pockets. I'm cutting profiles. I'm surfacing it without dust collection on some of it because it's all about getting the shot. So I'm cleaning aluminum up in a wood shop. It's everywhere. Yeah. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. It's sharp. It, and you can't brush yep. anything off with your hand. You got to use, you know, like yeah I just vacuum it up yeah i can but it's like it's just so fine and it's it's next to my garage door so it's down in the cracks i gotta open the door i gotta wait for it to mm-hmm. not rain and then i got it all over those the floor floor mats which is very difficult to get it out of it's just nasty but you're saying it's just like little sharp shards yeah real sick. tiny yeah yeah and it just embeds in every little crack that you have and the shop vac is just a pain in the butt but I got it all cleaned up and now I'm um, finishing the plaques and I hope to start a TV stand in the next week or two. 
Mm. Nice. Out of some cherry, I think. But that's what I have going on. And I think that will do it for this show. Please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community. So if you have woodworking questions you would like answered, you can send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. If you DM us, please put your name in the DM so that we don't have to hunt all around and find a name or if you find a name at all. Anyways, we'd like to also thank everyone that left us a five-star review on iTunes. We do read those and we appreciate that. It really helps in the search rankings. And of course, we truly appreciate the support and feedback. And you can reach me at simplecove.com and at simplecove on Instagram and YouTube. What about you, Huik? Where can you be found? You can find me at alabamawoodworker.com and the links to my social media are all on my website. Guy, how about you? Uh, Guyswoodshop.com. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you in a couple. See ya.